Howdy folks, you're listening to Smarticus Tells History, the podcast where we discuss some of the wacky and crazy stories your friends may have told you. So sit down, have a beer or two, and let's learn a thing or two. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show as always. I am your host, Smarticus. On this week's episode, we find ourselves in Egypt, discussing the life of one of the most famous pharaohs known to Egypt, Queen Cleopatra VII. Unfortunately, like most people from the BC years, not a lot is really known about them. What we do know about Cleopatra is that although she was indeed born in Egypt, her bloodline is actually that of Roman lineage. Her father was Aletes, a.k.a. Ptolemy XII, whom of which was a direct descendant of Ptolemy I, who was one of Alexander the Great's generals. When Alexander took over Egypt in 332 BC, he left it to Ptolemy I. Ever since then, the throne was handed down generation by generation. Cleopatra is believed to have been born in the Ptolemaic line in 69 BC. However, it is not certain who her mother was, but it is believed to have been Cleopatra V, Trophenia. At a young age, Cleopatra was named co-regent to serve by her father's side. Being well-educated and speaking several languages allowed her to be a more assertive and dominant ruler even than her father. By the time that she was age 18, her father had passed away. It is presumed that he died of natural causes, but there are some that believe that he was in fact murdered. It is suggested that it was done by either Cleopatra herself or one of their enemies. Regardless of the matter, Cleopatra took control of the empire with her younger brother, age 10, who then became Ptolemy Thirteenth. According to records, however, it was not long before the advisors of the young Ptolemy took advantage of the situation and began to act against Cleopatra. In an effort to save her own life, she escaped Egypt and made her way to Syria in 49 BC. Here, she quickly began to raise an army to take back what was rightfully hers. The following year, she waged war on her brother's forces at Pelusium, a city that lies on Egypt's borders. During this time, the Roman general Pompey was murdered. However, Ptolemy XIII took a liking to Julius Caesar, Pompey's rival, and allowed him to enter Alexandria. Once Cleopatra had caught wind of this, she smuggled herself into Caesar's rooms in the royal palace in order to gain his favor for the war efforts. In order for Cleopatra's plan to work and gain his favor, Caesar needed funding to return to his own power in Rome. And he needed Egypt to repay the debts that were still owed after the death of Cleopatra's father. Cleopatra agreed to this, and after four short months of war with Caesar's men, Ptolemy XIII was forced out of Alexandria, and he is presumed to have died in the Nile River. Upon Caesar's arrival in Alexandria after conquering Ptolemy XIII's forces, he returned the power to Cleopatra and her other younger brother, age 13, whom henceforth became Ptolemy XIV. Caesar continued his stay there in Egypt with Cleopatra for some time, and about a year later she gave birth to his son, Ptolemy Caesar, whom is of course believed to have been Caesar's son. He became known across Egypt as Caesarian, or Little Caesar. In 45 BC, Cleopatra traveled to Rome with her newborn son and brother Ptolemy XIV to visit Caesar, who had previously returned. Unfortunately, that was the year that Caesar was murdered on the Ides of March of 44 BC. Upon this taking place, Cleopatra made haste back to Egypt. Once she was back home, it was not much after that time that Ptolemy XIV was also murdered. Rumors still speculate to this day that it was in fact Cleopatra herself who sent agents to do the deed. Again, however, this cannot be confirmed. At this point in time, three-year-old Caesarion took his uncle's place and now stood as co-regent with his mother as Ptolemy XV, 
It is well known that in Egyptian history, most pharaohs are associated with one of the well over 2,000 Egyptian gods. Cleopatra had begun strongly identifying herself with the goddess Isis. Cleopatra III had also identified with Isis, and so Cleopatra VII was identified as the new Isis. Having the ability to speak many languages and being exceptionally charming and beautiful, no one claimed otherwise. Because Caesarian had only been an infant, Cleopatra's power hold was now stronger than ever before. However, there had been an unreasonably amount of flooding from the Nile River, which ended up destroying almost all of their crops off and on. The results of this led to her people's hunger and inflation. At the same time, in Rome, a second spark of war was beginning to grow into an ember. The triumvirate of Caesar's allies, Mark Antony, Octavian, and Lepidus, were at odds against Caesar's assassins, Brutus and Cassius. Both sides of the Romans had requested military aid from Egypt. Cleopatra eventually sided with Mark Antony and the others. She sent four Roman legions that were stationed in Egypt by Caesar to aid them. They decimated Brutus and Cassius in the Battle of Philippi. The resulting battle put Mark Antony and Octavian in power of Rome, which they divided equally. It wasn't long thereafter that Mark Antony had requested that Cleopatra visit him in the Sicilian city of Tarsus, which is now south of what is today Turkey. He asked her to visit him in an effort to explain how the contributions that she had made aided in their victory. As history tells us very fondly, Cleopatra definitely always had some flair, so when she agreed to meet in Tarsus, she embarked on an extremely gloriously decorated ship, donning the robes of Isis. Mark Antony himself always made connections with the Greek god Dionysus, and it is said that she stole his heart from the moment he laid eyes on her. Upon her arrival, Cleopatra had requested that Mark Antony help her protect Egypt and her crown, to which he agreed, and in doing so, had her younger sister removed and exiled from Egypt. Once Cleopatra had returned to her great empire, Mark Antony quickly followed. He even left his third wife, Fulvia, and their children in Rome. Over the winter months of 41 BC in Alexandria, the pair of them reportedly created a drinking guild called the Intimidable Livers. Mark Antony later returned to Rome, however shortly after, Cleopatra gave birth, this time to twins. Alexander Helios after the sun and Cleopatra Selene after the moon. When Antony's wife, Fulvia, died from an illness, Octavian forced Antony to prove his loyalty to Rome and marry Octavian's half-sister, Octavia. Now that Cleopatra was back in her own land, she was doing very well. Her own empire and the country was thriving with prosperity. So, in 37 BC, Antony requested funding in order for a new campaign run on Parthia. In return, Cleopatra had requested that what was once Egypt land to be returned to Egypt. Mark Antony agreed, and thus he returned Cyprus, Crete, Cyrenica, which is now Libya, Jericho, and exceptionally large portions of Syria and Lebanon. This, of course, allowed them to resume their love affairs, and Cleopatra gave birth to yet another son, Ptolemy Philadelphus, in 36 BC. Unfortunately for Antony, the funding was of no use, and he was humiliated in the defeat of Parthia. His new wife, Octavia, made requests to rejoin him. However, he publicly rejected this request and decided to return to his lover, Cleopatra, back in Egypt. Upon arriving back to Egypt, one of the first things he did was make Caesarion the rightful heir to Rome as declaring him as Caesar's son. This declaration is famously known as the Donations of Alexandria. Not only did Antony declare Caesarion, he also awarded each of his children with Cleopatra land. 
Of course, Octavian was not exactly happy about these events, and this began the start of yet another ember of war beginning to take flame. At first, it was just propaganda between the two. Then, Octavian declared that Antony was under Cleopatra's control and stripped Antony of all of his titles and declared war on Cleopatra herself in 32 BC. On September 2nd of 31 BC, Octavian had achieved victory over Cleopatra and Antony in the Battle of Actium. Cleopatra's ship fled Egypt, in which Antony and his forces followed suit with what remaining ships that he had left. While Octavian was attacking Alexandria, Antony had caught wind of a rumor that Cleopatra had surrendered and took her life in suicide. Thus, what does any man of that time do when he hears that his lover has taken her own life? Why, he fatally stabbed himself in the gut, of course. And it was just after that he had fallen on his own bloody sword that the news arrived. The rumor had been false. By the time August of 30 BC had arrived, Cleopatra had buried Antony and met with Octavian. After her meeting, she walked into her chamber with two female servants. And, just like the famous story we all know of Romeo and Juliet, she took her own life. Believed to have used a poisonous snake, she let bite her, known as the Asp, and took her life at the age of 39. However, the exact means of her death is uncertain. It is believed that she died of some kind of poison, but until her and Mark Antony's tombs are discovered, we may never know. It is believed that she told Octavian of her plans and requested to be buried alongside Antony, leaving Octavian to his celebrations of victory and the end of the great Egyptian empire. I hope you guys enjoyed the show, and if you have heard any wacky and crazy stories that you want told here, you can go to our Facebook page at Smarticus Tales History and leave a comment. Now, with that being said, I'll see you next time, and you guys have a wonderful, fantastic, and awesome day. Bye now.